Yeah, good morning. We are continuing the series, Emotionally Healthy Community. And um, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, last week, uh, Jimmy uh, expressed this idea that we are to live inside out, not outside in. Inside out was a great exhortation. But uh, I want to ask, how are we supposed to do that? <laughs> you know, how can we... How can we actually implement this lifestyle? And, and it's really, the first two weeks of this series was an introduction to these ideas. And starting today and for the next six weeks, we're going to look at some principles that help us d d actually do this. All right? How do we even know what we're feeling? You know, Many people live most or much of their lives... Um, strongly influenced by, by powerful emotions, but not knowing how to uh, connect to them, not maybe even knowing where those emotions are coming from. And, um, uh, you know, uh, what might be causing us to feel a particular way. And so we go through life struggling with emotions of fear, struggling with emotions of uh, intimidate, feeling intimidated, or maybe the opposite, angry. Um, how do we connect our feelings with our actions and the actions of others? Uh, I've known people that have lived many, many years of their life not even uh, having an awareness of their feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a saying, you know, a lot of people say there's a cliche, actually, that women are more emotional than men. Well, that's just not true. Okay? We are all equally emotional we just express it differently. And, and because of cultural uh, influences, uh, often we become disconnected. It's actually part of the, the result of the fall, was getting disconnected from our emotions. I talked about that in the first message that I shared a f few weeks ago. How can we live in control of our feelings rather than being controlled by them? And all of this... Um, is important. These questions are questions that we need to ask ourselves in order to get to the place where we can live emotionally healthy individuals. The goal of this series is to do that, to challenge us, to, to draw attention to this issue in our lives, as well as to equip us to live emotionally healthy. And we cannot be, and this is one of the big ideas, is that a person cannot be more spiritually mature than we are emotionally mature. Right? We can't separate spiritual maturity from emotional maturity. Unfortunately, many uh, of us think that, uh, you know, if we just memorize Bible verses or learn theological truths... Uh, then, then we're a good Christian. But if we don't connect that to our emotional lives, we won't actually be able to walk out the things that the Bible calls us to, to walk out. Many of us live as though our spiritual lives and our emotional lives are, are disconnected or separate. Uh, our inside life is often out of sync with our outside lives. And this idea of living inside out, not outside in, is learning how to get them in sync. 
okay? Operating integrated. Uh, I have a friend, his name is Dale Stoll, wrote a book, uh, Living an Integrated Life. And he, the whole book is about this idea of, of connecting our body, soul, and mind, our spirits, our emotions, our intellect, and living a whole, or what is more, norm, more normally used, wholesome life. And so you can't be whole if you're fractured and living and parts of you are disconnected. And many people go through lives with their emotional aspects of them disconnected from the spiritual truths, disconnected from things that we know to be true. The emotions are just like this wild card. And um, again, the church often tells us emotions are bad and tries to uh, teach us to suppress our emotions, maybe not explicitly, but implicitly implying that, you know, if you, you, know, if you just ignore your emotions, and that, that's unhealthy, all right? Well, we're going to look at some of these ideas as we explore this principle. And really, it's, guys, it's super important that you take these, uh, that you go to the community groups, because it's when you, you discuss and uh, these ideas with other people that you can actually learn to apply them. I loved at our depression seminar that we had a few weeks ago, one of the um, counselors or doctors, I forget uh, what her title was, <laughs> says that um, your frontal cortex, the part of your rational mind, the, the part that you use to actually think, doesn't actually engage fully until you're in conversation. Because, but because when, you have, when you are forced to articulate your feelings and your impulses and your, just the things that are going on in your brain, when you're forced to articulate them into language, that's what kicks in that frontal cortex to pick words to use. And, and, and you discover what you really are feeling or thinking by expressing it and then hearing other people say, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, 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 and then you have to say it a little differently. That's actually an important part. And so doing community, emotionally healthy community is, is a huge part of this. So please get uh, in one of the groups. And if you can't make it to one of the groups, I'm gonna be writing a discussion guide based on this and sending it out. And you can get with just some friends and talk, talk about it. So the first principle, and the principle that we're going to be uh, talking about the rest of this morning and discussing in the community groups this week, is the principle of looking beneath the surface. And these principles are taken from the writings of uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Peter Scazzaro. Uh, he's a doctor, right? Peter Scazzaro. I'm pretty sure he's a doctor. <clears throat> if not, he's, a, he's an author. <laughs> he's written a, a whole bunch of books about... Um, emotional health and how emotions and our spiritual lives are interconnected. But uh, this is a quote from his book. The real horror is how easy it is to remain in a comfortable, distorted illusion about our lives. Something may not be true, but we become so used to it that it feels right. And in our culture, our church lingo that we use around here, if you've been around here long enough, those are called ungodly beliefs. Things we believe to be true but aren't in line with ultimate truths. Things that we base on, uh, we've learned through experiences, but they're, they're contrary to what God says is true in his word. Others who live and work closely with us can usually pick up some of our inconsistencies and defensive maneuvers. Few, however, have the courage and skill to point them out in a mature 
loving way. And in fact, often how these things get revealed are in immature and unloving ways or in stressful uh, situations where you're reacting to something and your defensive behaviors uh, uh, surface and it reinforces the negative nature of it and actually makes it more difficult for you to get down there and deal with them. Uh, and this is a picture of a, uh, an illustration of an iceberg. About 10% of an iceberg is visible above the surface. And that's, that's a good analogy for our lives. That's the, the surface, the part that's above the surface is the part of our lives which we're aware of. <clears throat> it's also what we do that people can see. But deep beneath, however, are layers of childhood wounds, unconscious motivations, fears, defenses, and experiences that we may have even forgotten. And um, I can just testify in my life, especially over the past 20 years, as God um, has uh, taken me deeper and deeper into this area of emotional and spiritual healing, otherwise known, the Bible calls it sanctification, is that I've discovered things deep inside my life that I had forgotten, but are still influencing the way I think and the way I feel and the way I act. And it's usually through prayer that these things are discovered. And through, uh, uh, you know, actually often they're discovered through painful experiences that then take, uh, cause me to spend time before God and say, God, where is this coming from? And, and often God will reveal something and then you take that to scripture and you find out, well, what does God say about that? So this is a process of discovering the 90% of us that, you know, isn't visible. And I was thinking about this idea, and I was just actually kind of thinking, like, is that really true? <laughs> I was straight out of his book. Um, but I was just thinking, I was thinking, you know, right now, in this moment, you're aware of certain aspects of your life, right? But just think of how much of your life is in the past. The vast majority. Was that? More for some of us than others. <laughs> but compared to the present, obviously we're living in the present. We're talking about responding our feelings, our thoughts, our actions in the present. But all of what's going on now has been shaped by all those things that happened yesterday, last week, last month, last year, when I was in my uh, 40s, when I was in my 30s. Oh, the 20s. <laughs> The 20s are great. I tell my kids, man, the 20s, it's the best decade. You, got, you, you have the freedom of, adult, of an adult that you don't have hardly any of the responsibilities. <laughs> Teenage years, oh. I'd love to be 20 again, but I don't want to be 14 again, man. No way, <laughs> you know, because so many painful things happen. And in ch early childhood, boy, so, so shaped by those experiences. And so I think this is really true. And, and all of that's happened. We can't, we can't be cognizant. We can't be aware of everything that went on to shape us. But those things do shape us. And we have to be responsible to manage those things in the present so that we're not operating out of something that happened to us that's really a wound, 
or uh, a, a something that's not true according to God's word just because we've experienced her there in the past. So that's what this whole series is about. This idea about looking beneath the surface is the first principle of seven principles that um, help us uh, discover and help us uh, live in a way that's consistent with God's word and live in a way that's healthy. So Jesus replied and said, the most important command, this is when... Um, uh, Jesus was asked, you know, what's the most important uh, law? And he replies to the person, he says, the most important command, we've heard this all many times, is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, is the one and only Lord. And you sh must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Scazzaro uh, uh, points out that <clears throat> to truly love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength requires that we not only know God, but also know ourselves, know our interior, the nature of our hearts, our souls, our minds. Understanding that world of feelings, thoughts, desires, hopes, with all its richness and complexity is hard. And he actually takes much of his book explaining the difficulty that we face in tapping in to our emotions and where they come from. And it is difficult. It's hard. It's easier, much easier to live uh, disconnected from that because it's confusing to delve into that. But it's absolutely important. Why? Because Jesus commands us and the word of God calls us into loving God with our whole heart. But if our heart is disconnected from our will and our consciousness, how, then we can't fulfill this command. With our soul, our, all of that that makes up our, our thoughts and our emotions and our will. How can, we, how can we turn that to utter dedication and adoration of our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, if we're disconnected from that? in our actual life, if we can't love people in the room with us or our family members well, how can we think, because of hurts and wounds and disconnected uh, emotions and feelings, how can we think that we can love God? And so this is why it's so important to discover and to learn how to get our emotions in the place where we're able to love well. And, of course, loving God and loving others. God challenges us all throughout Scripture to know and to take care of our hearts. Right? And that doesn't just mean, you know, low cholesterol. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty hard to do, actually. <laughs> I'm struggling with that myself. <laughs> Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. That's a strong command, man. It means work hard. This word diligence means to, to, to really be consistent, diligent, but also uh, hard. Like, just put a lot of effort into this. For out of it, the heart springs the issues of life. And so when we realize that all of the stuff going on in your life, it's coming from your heart. And regardless of how other people treat you, it's your responses to how they treat you that determine the quality of your life. And that's why your heart and, and being diligent to know and to guard your heart 
is the primary way to live life healthily, even if you're in a situation where others around you are, are treating you in an in a improper or unhealthy way. Another famous cry of the, the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. So here's a prayer asking God to come in and turn the, his holy spotlight into our inner person. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I love this verse because this is a biblical proof text for the reality that we deal with anxiety. If there's stress and anxiety in your life, that doesn't mean you're a failure. That means you're like the psalmist. And, and acknowledging that they're there and then asking God to come and examine those, you know, it's kind of like having a symptom and then going to the doctor and saying, doctor, check this out because it's causing problems in my life. Why do you do that? Because you're expecting the doctor to do something to you to, to help you. In the same way, we go to God and say, search my heart. Discover if there's any troubling thoughts or divisions within the way I'm thinking or feeling. That's what the Hebrew word actually means, division of thought and double-mindedness, anxieties. And if there's any wickedness in me, then lead me. Kind of like the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, 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 lead me not into temptation but into deliverance all right lead me away from those evil thoughts and so acknowledging that they're there and asking for god's help is a very very biblical way to live life and there's just tons and tons of scriptures like this. there's one more from the new testament where jesus is speaking about the same issue uh, uh, jesus said <clears throat> what comes out of a man that defiles a man for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, 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 foolishness. <laughs> All these evil things come from where? Yeah, and defile a man. And so it's very clear. Jesus is saying that the, the troubles are not outward, but inward. And he highlights that outward behavior stems from inward brokenness. But often, you know, we resist changing that inward stuff until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of facing our issues. And I'm encouraging, I'm trying to encourage you to, to, you don't have to wait until the pain gets so bad. You know, what usually happens is the, the pain of broken relationships because you respond poorly to others around you because you have hurt in your heart. Or the a pain of, uh, of, of um, uh, living through the consequences of destructive behavior, which the Bible calls sin, and to the point where you're willing to deal with the, the emotional things that are driving you to uh, hide in uh, that behavior 
that distracts you for a moment from that pain. All of this stuff. Jesus is saying, you know, don't just stop the outward behavior. In fact, he's saying you can't stop the outward behavior until you deal with the heart issues. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is all about, is that it's the issues of the heart that drive the outward behaviors. And just limiting outward behavior, that's what, the, that's what they ended up doing with the law, is unable to really change our hearts. But if we change our hearts, our outward behavior will be transformed. Does it make sense? Okay. <clears throat> uh, oh, the clicker stopped clicking. <laughs> there you go. Oh, how'd that happen? Clicky, clicky, click, 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 click. There we go. All right. <clears throat> so there's four components of looking beneath the surface. Going to go through them uh, quickly, and this is going to be really the essence of what we're going to explore in the community group. So looking, before, uh, looking beneath the surface is the first principle of seven principles that will help us live emotionally healthy lives and live in community in an emotionally healthy way. And this first principle of looking beneath the surface has four components to it. The first one is just being aware of what you are feeling and doing. <laughs> All right? um, <clears throat> and uh, it may seem obvious, but listen, it's not, okay? Most people, uh, and even, even I, uh, people vary significantly, but most people live most of their life unaware of the emotions that are driving them. I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that most decisions, and I would actually say all decisions, are actually made emotionally. And then our reason is the built-in lawyer uh, that argues and finds a logical defense for the uh, emotional decision we made. And it's really good at at gathering the right information to put together an argument why, when I got angry, it was the right thing to do. (laughs) Or why, when I had a pity party, I had a good reason to. All right, those decisions are made emotionally and defended uh, uh, intellectually. We need to tap into those feelings and, and behaviors and be aware of them. And Jesus portrayed being and expressing emotion throughout his life, all throughout his life, and often in a very intense way. Just a few examples. Remember when he came to Lazarus's tomb? It says he groaned. And, and uh, if you look up the, 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 what that word, it, it's hard to translate because it's just this deep, like that kind of groan. Because he was facing death and he was emotionally affected by that and he wasn't um, intimidated or, or, or uh, afraid to show that deep emotion. He was indignant numerous times with his disciples. Uh, he got mad at them. And, and, and the Bible shows, shares that, all right? Uh, he drove out the money changers. Everyone likes to refer to that because Jesus took his time and, and, and made a whip. And, you know, he wasn't acting rashly. He was actually rationally expressing appropriate emotions uh, because they had defiled the temple. 
by using it as a place just to make money instead of to worship God. He was astonished. And I actually looked up this verse when, when the Gentile when centurion expressed faith. He was, it says he was just astonished. And so if the Bible recorded that, that must have meant that he expressed wonder and astonishment. Like, wow, this person has more faith than anyone I've found in the whole nation of Israel. What did that look like? You know, don't sterilize Jesus into some non-emotional uh, avatar type being. You know, he's not a caricature. He's a real person. And he lived a life that demonstrated emotions in a healthy way. We know that he often was moved by compassion. In other words, he felt such compassion that it changed his behavior. So, based on this, based on the examination of Jesus' life, being connected to our emotions is part of being Christ-like. And if we aren't connected to our emotions, then we're actually failing living a Christ-like life. And the call of Christianity is to be like Christ, to follow Christ. And so how important is this? It's really important, guys. It's really important. Paying at- These, this is going to go a little deeper into this first component. Paying attention to our physical reactions and situations can help us tune in to our emotions. And the reality is, often people, they, they're not tuned into their emotions, so th- this is just a few clues of how you can do this. In other words, often we'll go through life, and then emotions just hit us, and we're like, wow, I feel, you know, this particular way, and you're not sure how to connect, or sometimes there's delayed reactions. I personally um, have a delayed reaction emotionally. <clears throat> I can, um, uh, whatever comes up, I'll respond to, and then sometimes it's a week if it's something painful. Uh, it actually depends on how significant it is. The more significant it is, the longer the delay. And so <clears throat> I can have a troublesome interaction with someone and not feel it for like a week or two later. And what I've learned over the course of a couple of decades of examining this is when I feel it, then I stop and go, where's that feeling come from? And it's rarely something that happened in the moment. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So when, when this happened between this and me and my other person last week, uh, I dealed with it in an appropriate way, but now I'm feeling the feelings of it. And so now I had to deal with the feelings of it. And so it's common to be separate. But if you don't know that about yourself, and all of a sudden you, you just feel insecure or unsettled or angry, and you look around, and you blame it on somebody else, or something else that actually is disconnected. All right? Uh, and so paying attention to how your body is physically reacting is a good clue. Uh, so things like a knot in your stomach, or a tension headache. A lot of people get headaches. I used to get headaches all the time. I hardly ever get a headache anymore. I mean, in my 20s and 30s, I got headaches all the time. It's terrible headaches. I'd have to go in a room, turn off the light, <clears throat> And uh, often it would disable me for a whole day. I hardly ever get headaches anymore. I don't know if it's, I don't really know why <laughs> I don't get headaches anymore. I'm really thankful I don't get headaches anymore. But I know that I don't, I don't deal with tension and, and stress in the way that I used to. I'm way more 
relaxed about things because I've learned to trust God through them. But those, when, if you get a headache, ask why. And, and maybe it could be something you ate, or maybe it could be uh, something that's not related to an emotional uh, uh, difficulty. But often, often it is. Grinding teeth, clenched hands, sweaty palms, nervous tapping. I like, I, you know, I'm a pastor, is what I do for a living, so I really am able to pick up on, on clues. Anywhere I go, if I'm in a restaurant, if I'm I was heading with a group of people. I was just did a leaders retreat in South Carolina. Had a great time. But there's so much you can learn about people just by observing how they behave, and you can you can pick up this person's upset, or this person's not liking what I'm saying, or this person doesn't like being in this group, or this person doesn't trust me just by the body languages. One little important note about that. And, and that falls into, there's two categories of that. There's just intuition and reading body language. And then there's a spiritual gift of discernment where you can actually, God gives you the gift of seeing inside of someone's hearts or feelings. It's okay to allow those thoughts and ideas influence you, but it's not okay to make a judgment about that person. In other words, you may be picking up on those things. Those are just clues that may be accurate, or you may be projecting your stuff onto them. And so, and so you, don't, you don't make a judgment, but it can inform you. And if you have the opportunity and it's appropriate to have a conversation, you may be able to ask the person or say, oh, you seemed a little troubled today. What's going on? You know? And they, they might say, well, their car broke down and they're really worried about paying for it. And it might not be anything to do with you. Are you hearing me? Yeah. All right. Very important. All right, but all of these things in ourselves, we need to ask if, if, our, if our physical body is communicating uh, in a way to inform our brain our, our, uh, that there's an emotion going on here. <laughs> all right? Um, ask yourself, what might my body, what might my body be telling me about my feelings right now? And then ask God to reveal what are the issues or the root of the emotions that are causing these feelings. The second one is asking the why or the motivation questions. <clears throat> Once you become aware of what you're doing and feeling and how um, we may be affecting others, you need to go deeper and ask, well, what's motivating that? What's driving that? Uh, why am I always in such a hurry? Or why am I always impatient? What's driving that? that, that that constant pressure in me? Or why am I fearful of what other people think? Why am I so intimidated by how other people are going to react to me? Or why am I dreading seeing someone? You know, if, if, you have a, if you're scheduled or you know you're going to interact, maybe you're going to a family reunion and there's someone there and you're just dreading, where is that emotion coming from? Or, or why are you constantly obsessing about your su success or lack thereof? Why, why are you angry when other people don't notice you? Um, all of these things, and you could just, this list is almost endless. You need to ask the why question. What's motivating your, uh, your uh, emotional responses? And take the time to discover what is the motivation behind your feelings and your behaviors. Often this happens through journaling, keeping a record and asking God, God, where is this coming from? 
uh, in prayer, seek my heart, know my heart. And then the, the reason for asking God to know your heart is so that he would communicate to you what's going on in your heart so that you can change and become more like him, more Christ-like. But this doesn't happen in a, in a moment. This doesn't happen in a day. This happens over the course of your lifetime. This is carrying your cross. This is walking out life in a way that follows Jesus to, until we get to the point where we can be as emotionally healthy as Jesus is depicted throughout Scripture. And then this is a super important one, folks. Linking the gospel and emotional health. The gospel says, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, says that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Okay? That's the truth of the gospel. We have all sinned and fallen short of, of the, the, the glory of God, the expectations of God on us. Uh, um, <clears throat> yet, you are more accepted and loved than you have ever dared hope. Because Jesus lived and died in your place. So at the same time, the gospel communicates our other, utter worthlessness in, in our own worth, being able to approach God. But at the same time, because of God's mercy and God's grace, our acceptance, because Jesus took upon himself our sin, our guilt, our shame. In Corinthians it said it this way, He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. He made, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be my sin on behalf of me. Personalize it. It's true. So that I might become the righteousness of God in Him. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus Christ, when He came and lived a sinless life and then was crucified on that cross, when He was uh, beaten and nailed and died, on that cross He took the pain and the penalty for every act of disobedience for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And we can access... That freedom, by believing that to be true, we don't have to understand it, but we have to believe it, and then we have to commit to following him, saying, yes, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe that you were raised, uh, uh, that God the Father raised you from the dead, and Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and you are Lord over all things. That's the gospel. And so that means that we can look at our flaws and our deficiencies and have faith that they will not separate us from our Father. Because when we were still enemies, Christ did this for us. And now if we've pledged our allegiance to him, how much more do we have access to the grace to deal with our stuff? The clicker stopped working again. This truth enables us to risk delving into the depths of our brokenness. We don't have to be afraid to delve into this stuff, okay? Because we know that we're accepted, we're loved, and we're seen by God as whole. And the fourth and final one, fourth component, is getting rid of the glittering image. The glittering image is just a term that is used in this book to, to, what's called the, uh, to refer to the mask we wear when we present ourselves to others and even ourselves, 
And we wear masks to cover up the stuff that we don't understand or don't like. In John Eldridge's awesome book, uh, Wild at Heart, he calls this the poser. Okay? It's the person we pose as when we're not really that person. We put on a front as someone altogether uh, able, when in reality we're all mixed up, we're all scared, we're confused. And it's until we're able and willing to uncover the genuine person within us, uh, until we can do that, we, we can't be real to others. And that creates barriers between us and others and limits us emotionally. Sanctification is getting our inside healed and our outside consistent with our new nature. And that's actually the definition of what it means of, of the word integrity. So quick review, four components of looking beneath the surface. Awareness of what you're feeling and doing. Asking the why, the motivation question. Linking the gospel and emotional health. And then getting rid of the glittering image. Consistently practicing these four components will enable us to get in touch with ourselves and begin the process of real change in our lives. Next week, you're going to be sharing, right? Pastor Jimmy's going to be sharing on breaking the power of the past, and we're going to unfold six more principles of living emotionally. But they're all really built on this first one of getting in touch and getting below, beneath the surface in our own lives. Pastor Jimmy, could you come up and close? Thank you.